Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Obviously, you're a fan of horse racing. And uh, we've got uh, two good guests for you, one first-time starter and uh, one uh, long-time guest. Our first-time starter, very, very interesting woman. Her name is Rosemary Homemeister Jr. You don't hear that after a lot of women's names, the junior part, but her mother was one of the original trailblazers as far as female jockeys was concerned, and she just wanted to let people know that this was the daughter and and not the mother. Now, uh, she also was the uh, first woman to win an Eclipse Award, uh, and uh, she's ridden in five Kentucky Derbies. And of course, that Eclipse Award was a while ago. It was in 1992, uh, but she's had uh, quite a stellar career. Um, you know, that year that she uh, won the Eclipse alone, she won 172 races and compiled over $1.7 million in, in earnings. And, uh, you know, she's, we'll go over some of the highlights of, of her career. Um, you know, she's ridden in, I believe, five Kentucky Derbies. Uh, quite the... Uh, no, no, she was the fifth woman to ride in the Kentucky Derby. That was uh, back in 2003. And if you take a step back and look at the big picture, she was the second most winning female jockey in the world of all time. Now, she's kind of hung up her tack, but she's fit as ever. Uh, she lives in a health and fitness lifestyle and pr- promotes her own business with Zealous. Uh, she teaches others how to be their own boss. She's kind of a, uh, a career Sherpa, shall we say. And uh, she also has an interesting uh, business after competing in bikini fitness modeling in 2017. She won her first competition in overall, finishing second internationally. Now, um, we're going to be able to talk to her a bit about the, her transition into fitness and their big promotion of the hemp CBD you're hearing so much about. That's uh, legal in most states. We'll see if it fits into horse racing. So Rosemary Homeister, our first guest, our second, Rich Eng. What can I say? He wrote the book, Handicapping for Dummies. I have an autographed copy around here someplace. And uh, Rich is going to help us out with the three big three-year-old races on Saturday, uh, we're talking about from Aqueduct, the grade three withers, mile and an eighth, the longest of the three we'll be taking a look at, uh, but a very important race on the Derby Trail. And uh, the withers uh, does have implications for the Derby, as you'll be able to get Kentucky Derby points, as you will on the other two races we're going to have from Santa Anita track rich is very familiar with uh he's going to do the robert b lewis grade three they're going a mile and a 16th i'm liking gunmetal gray in there and in the 10th race 
the swell. That's the shortest of the three, but a very important race in the chess game that leads to the Kentucky Derby. Seven furlongs, the swell at Gulfstream Park. So Rich is going to join us, and we're going to break it down. As always, want to thank our friends at Woodbine, who help sponsor winningponies.com. I appreciate you listening very much. And uh, remember, if you've got a friend that uh, would uh, miss the show, you can tell them that they can always get it on podcast starting tomorrow. So uh, let's take a look at uh, if you go to Winning Ponies, you can also grab our easy win forms. Very inexpensive and uh, been having a pretty good week, I must say. Now, sad to say, a lot of cancellations. Keep If you show up to your favorite track, OTB or whatever, uh, it's like uh, going to an airport now. you got to check all the cancellations. I know for sure Aqueduct and uh, Turfway Park are closed uh, today. Uh, but some of our hits w- with the easy win forms uh, – we, let's go to the fairgrounds. It was uh, just today we had a 10-second ten 10-second. <laughs> How about a 10-cent super that paid $2,132 yesterday at Gulfstream? Uh, we uh, hit for a $1 super 5 key. And uh, also today at Gulfstream, a $1 Super 5 box paid $1,223. Well, I'm hearing from Roseberry right now, so we know that she is going to make it on air with us. And uh, I'll have to explain to her that I'm just a little bit busy to answer this uh, email right now. And uh, so let's take a look at some of the big national news, because while this show is was going on last week they were given out a little something called the eclipse awards drum roll please justify named horse of the year and we discussed this with a lot of guests over the last couple of weeks and most of us thought you know even though he retired early you win the triple crown your horse of the year no matter what and I, I feel bad for the accelerate camp on any other year he probably would have been horse of the year but you know as racing's 13th triple crown winner you've got to give it to justify his horse of the year and um accelerate was second in the balloting and it was far down to uh, two others that that got votes uh but uh, what can i say you know justify he was a pleasure to watch as brief as his career was and uh it, it's just pretty amazing uh what what he did in in such a short amount of time now Let's go over some of the other divisions for you, okay? The two-year-old male, no big surprise here, and I believe he's the early book favorite for the Kentucky Derby, is game winner, who was 246 votes ahead of the next two horses. (laughs) We're going to get to see him soon. I understand he's been really winding up in his works in the morning. Two-year-old filly, saw her win at that Breeders' Cup. It was jaywalk of course in addition to being horse of the year three-year-old hands down justify three-year-old philly monomoy girl gets the nod there and good to see this one older dirt male accelerate did get his due and will did get an eclipse award last thursday for our older dirt female it was unique bella for the sprinter we love this horse roy h just dominated the voting female sprinter Shamrock Rose, male turf horse, Stormy Liberal, 
there were quite a few horses also in the mix there. I believe about 10 of them got votes, but it was Stormy Liberal getting the nod. Female turf horse, Sister Charlie edges out Enable. Got to give it to Sister Charlie. Enable only raced once in North America, but what a race that was in the Breeders' Cup. So as far as the owner, it was Haranis Racing. He really dominated in there. Uh, breeder was John D. Gunther. Windstar Farm in the second spot. Trainer, Chad Brown over Bob Baffert. They were easily the top two in the voting there. And apprentice jockey, hope we can get him on the show sometime. Weston Hamilton uh, was a pretty solid winner over Edgar Morales. So those were your Eclipse Awards. Well, all eyes on Gulfstream Park. So happy to have Pete Aiello with us last week. Man, he had some great calls. And how about the Pegasus World Cup? It was the romp in the rain, as Pete called it. Uh, City of Light, the only horse that beat Accelerate last year, uh, just took to the lead. You had to see it because, depending on what angle you had, but you know, cameras can play with rain, and uh, it was really pouring. And City of Light had that really good speed. Uh, Javier Castellano said, You know, I just kind of wanted to get him out there clean, he and uh, you know, we kind of tracked the pace for a while and then just took over and and just pulled away by five and three quarters lengths uh rallying from last early was seeking the soul very good finish and accelerate uh they bumped a little bit into the stretch but accelerate who did make a move at city of light had to finish for the third spot interesting the next morning at 11 30 getting on a van heading to lane's end farm to their career at stud it was City of Light and Accelerate. I'm sure that they had a very interesting conversation on the ride there. Again, uh, we had Pete Aiello on last week. We talked about the, the two major races, and it was Bricks and Mortar that took the Pegasus turf, uh, put in the top effort of his career, $7 million on the line. It was a pretty fast uh, pace set by Fon Hamura, but uh, uh, Bricks and Mortar, just came surging at the end, wide in the stretch under Irad Ortiz Jr. And uh, you can imagine with the rain they had during the day, the turf was yielding. So congratulations to the connections of Bricks and Mortar. Uh, I really enjoyed his his owner uh, statement saying, eh, it's not about the money. It's a big race. It's a tough race. And, and I, I love this quote. He says, I think anybody that puts money in this sport, we all know we're probably one-third stupid, one-third optimistic, and one-third crazy. The rest of it, well, maybe there's 1% we're good dreamers and hopeful, but we're very much optimists, that's for sure. What a great quote. Uh, congratulations goes out to Kent DeSormo. He got to his 6,000th winner out at Santa Anita Park. Of course, uh, he's now 48 years old. He's won seven Triple Crown races, six Breeders' Cup races, and three Eclipse Awards, top apprentice in 87, and top jock in 89 and 1992. Now his goal is to be the leading raging Cajun. He says, I can't wait. Every day I wake up waiting to pass Eddie De La Husse, who has 6,383. He's the 15th rider 
of all time. So that's his uh, next goal. Of course, we all know the story. Louisiana-born jockey uh, began riding in 86. Uh, in 89, he rode 597 winners. His best earning season came in 2008 when he brought more than 15.6 million in purses, winning the Kentucky Derby and Preakness with Big Brown. Remember, he did the same feat with Real Quiet in 19. 19- 98. Now, we did uh, have a race last Friday uh, that got some derby points, and that was the Smarty Jones at Oak Lawn Park. And the winner in there, good year if you like the Grays, great attempt, wire to wire, held on by a neck. I really liked the finish of this take, I mean, long-range toddy, who's a son of Take Charge Indy. Uh, keep an eye out for that horse. Put him on your horses to watch. And uh, Boldor was third. So uh, that was pretty much a wrap-up of what we looked at last week, the big races, the Eclipse Award-winning news. And now we're going to take a quick break, and we get back. Somebody I'm really looking forward to talking to, none other than Rosemary Holmeister Jr. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, as I told you at the top of the show, very much looking forward to our next guest, uh, the first female Eclipse Award winner, Rosemary Holmeister, and uh, she has uh, quite the uh, stellar career. Uh, she was the first woman, I believe, to ride in the Kentucky Derby, or the fifth, uh, rather. Um, it, uh, get my notes here, Rosemary, so I can do that. Um it was uh, 2003, the fifth woman to ride in the Kentucky Derby on Super Blitz. And, 
You've been inducted to a, a couple racing hall of fames. You had a fantastic uh, career. And the fact that your name is Rosemary Homeister Jr. is a little bit different. Uh, but uh, you kind of had to do that. Obviously, you were born into a racing family, like it or not. Rosemary, welcome to Winning Ponies. Thank you so much for having me on, John. I'm happy to. Well, uh, the reason for the junior was so people didn't get you confused with your mother. Exactly. Yeah, they, um, it looked like it was a conflict of interest, my mom training horses, and it looked like she was the jockey riding for other trainers. So they right. said, we have to do something different. And they tried to name me Roseanne and Rosie and all these names. And I said, no, my name is Rosemary Holmeister. I said, just stick Junior on the end. And Junior had gotten such, like, fanfare for years in my riding career. Well, that's great. I do want people to know that I think as the standings stand right now with your number of wins, uh, you stand as the second leading female rider of all time. Am I correct about that? Yes. Julie Cron being the first. I finally got something right. Well, uh, t- tell us a little bit about your life growing up. I, I've got to guess you were uh, a backstretch rat. Well, I was basically um, kind of bred right into the business. My mother and father were both jockeys. My um, dad's name was James Paul Holmeister. He won over 500 races in the Midwest during his career. Uh, my mom, she rode at Calder Racecourse, and she won one race. The horse was winning news. So when, and that was the only race that she won, but she's been a horse trainer for the past, gosh, I think almost 40 years now. And it's just her passion and her love. And, um, when I was in high school, I mean, her dream was for me to always be a jockey, but, um, was it your you know, dream? when I got into high school, well, I always loved horses and I loved it. And then once I get into high school, I wanted to do cheerleading and track and, you know, you get into different things and, um, she never pushed me. She always, you know, supported whatever I wanted to do at that time. And then I graduated high school, went to college for a year, and my stepdad, Larry Lyons, he had always bought uh, weanlings, or yeah, weanlings, no, yearlings, I'm sorry, during a a winter sale. So I learned how to break the the yearlings, and then I went into the track as two-year-olds with the horses to learn as they were learning, and I just was hooked. I was like, oh my God. I can't believe you can go this fast on a horse, <laughs> you know, and um, I did that for about a year in the following years when I started racing, which was in 1992. Right. Now, uh, 1992, I think if I do my math right, you were probably about 20 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that? 19. Uh, I, just, I, was, I was 19. I was going into my 20th year. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know what month you were born, um, but uh, <laughs> That whirlwind season, can, can you describe it? I mean, you were winning left and right. Yeah, my uh, apprenticeship was fantastic. I had um, a really good agent, Richard Ancona. Um, he had been well-known in the racing industry of having, I think he had um, Buck Thorn, a jockey. I can't remember the first name. But he had done very well on the East Coast, and he was at that time at Calder Racecourse. And he took a immediate liking to me, watching me breathe horses in the morning. And he immediately said, I want to take your book. And I like looked at my mom. I'm like, what's taking book? What book do I give him? You know, <laughs> I mean, I had no clue. <laughs> you know, my mom taught me how to ride and race ride and get ready for all of that. But the that part, I had no idea. So <clears throat> it was a great learning experience. He really taught me a lot. 
you know, how to talk to trainers and um, walking into barns, basically hustling for mounts. So I learned a lot um, from him. Even, I mean, he never even rode horses and he would have me twirling my stick, walking in between barns and teaching me how to hit, switching sticks, just walking, you know, which my mom had taught me, but he was trying to keep me going, you know, and um, it was funny, but he really taught me the business of talking to trainers and how to really hustle for business and going after the right horses, you know? And um, so my first year of my career, he's the one who decided to take me up to the East coast. And my, a cousin of mine, JJ Krupe, my mom had called him and said, my daughter's riding. They're going to come up to New Jersey you know, what can we do? What can you do for her? And I actually signed a contract with one of his owners to ride 80 horses going into Mammoth Park that season. Uh, I, I must say, your, uh, your agent, I'm not sure if he convinced you if it just comes natural, but you also not only won over owners and trainers, but you won over the crowd. Because as I recall, uh, please take this the right way, you're kind of easy on the eyes that you used to always like throw a kiss to the television camera after you scored a win. Well, yes. And that kiss was for my grandparents. My grandma and grandpa were my number one fans outside my mom, which were they were her parents. And they lived in New Jersey. So I always told them, because I knew they were always watching the races on TV. My grandfather would tape everything. And he would actually relive the race at night. Like, he'd call me up and, oh, you rode this race. And, you know, maybe you should have switched sticks on this one. And, you know, and I <laughs> loved it because he, it just, he said it made their golden years amazing. You know, because they had something to look forward to every day. And. So I told them when they couldn't come to the races, which they came to every race I rode in New Jersey, from the Meadowlands to uh, Mammoth Park, except for Atlantic City. But um, sometimes they went down there. But um, I told them, when you're not there, I'm going to blow a kiss to the camera, and that's for you and Grandma, because I know you're watching me. Well, that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. And, you know, uh, talk about people that made indelible uh, marks on your life. We're talking with Rosemary Homeister right now. Uh, You've got a fantastic relationship with your daughter, don't you? Oh, yeah. She's my business partner, my best friend, my love, everything. Victoria. She wants to be on the the call. (laughs) We're talking about you. Uh, Well, listen, tell me a little bit about your decision to leave the saddle and then your transition uh, into uh, personal fitness, uh, helping others uh, achieve, uh, you know, all that they can be, shall I say, by stealing a quote. Uh, What was that like when you finally said, all right, I'm, I'm leaving the saddle, but and what epiphany made you realize, hey, you know, being healthy and being fit is something I not only have done, I'll continue to do, but I'll be able to teach others. Uh, yeah, I learned that really from my mom from a young age. Um, she was always into exercise and taking me to exercise classes and always being aware of, um, you know, conscious of my weight. And because she, in her head, she always prayed that I'd become a jockey. So she never wanted me to get too heavy or too big, you know, so... Um, I always tell her, tell, tell her, you had an ulterior motive, didn't you? And she would just laugh. But, um, yeah, so I learned at a young age. And then 
during my riding career, it, it was not hard for me. I was able to keep my weight pretty low naturally um, because my mom was small and my dad was small, like thin. Um, but when you have your apprentice allowance and you have to, you know, I had seven, you know, the 10 pounds. And then when you win your first five races and you go down to now you have a seven pound weight allowance. So I had to tack from like 103 pounds to 106 pounds, like almost all summer. And for the people listening in that you don't understand what that means is I would have to be on the scale weighing like my body weight, a hundred pounds. And then my saddle, the girth, the boots, everything would have to equal up to 103 pounds if that was the weight for that race. Right. So at that point, it was, it was I always weighed like 103, 104 pounds, but I'm like, oh my God, I got to tack 103 tonight. So I would have to lose three pounds to be able to do that weight. Wow. Well, then then again, let's, you, let's, let, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, and then the longer you start racing, the more muscle you start building because, you know, your one race is like equivalent to a 20 minute aerobics workout. So as I, you know, continue to race throughout the years, my weight increased, not body fat, but muscle. And um, then I was starting to tack like 110, 112, meaning I was like 108 pounds, 109 pounds. And then I got up to like 110, 112. And then my, my uh, comfortable, well, after I had my daughter, actually, I started tacking like 112 pounds to 114, and I was comfortable at that that level. Yeah, I, I tacked that weight. I think I was in eighth grade at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Rosemary, we were moving into that one. Tell all our listeners, go look around the house, grab a pen and paper. There's some numbers we're going to give you because I, I want to I want to touch on what it is you're doing now and some of the promotion, a, a specific product you're promoting and the fact that after this show is over, they can jump over and listen to you uh, doing an interview on a show if you want to give those numbers out. But first, give us the capsulized version of what it is you're doing now as far as promoting you know, fitness and health and others. Well, my, my main thing was um, when I retired racing, I loved physical fitness. Like I knew I always wanted to be fit, but I always loved helping other people learn how to eat correctly, um, how to exercise and things like that. So I um, got my personal trainer's license. I got certified in fitness nutrition and I did that for about a year, year and a half. Um, and I loved it. I was able to, I actually did it, uh, closed groups on Facebook, um, teaching people about diet and exercise things like that. And then I was approached to um, compete in fit, fit, uh, fitness competitions. And in my mind, I always had like this bodybuilder looking women. And I was like, I don't want to look like that. I'm not doing that. And they're like, no, no, this is bikini fitness modeling. You know, you have the body for it, this and that. And I was like, okay, well, I'm up for any challenge. You know, so I did. I um, It took me about six months to get, you know, into that uh, competition mode to do these fitness <clears throat> competitions. And, um, I finished in my first competition in the bikini fitness. I won and I also competed in figure and I finished second in my first competition. And then I went international into uh, Las Vegas, uh, for bikini fitness. I finished second internationally and then third in figure. So it was a great experience. And I really learned more about, um, portion control 
um, how to eat, how to actually lean down, like if I was a jockey, but, you know, a totally different way than if when I was a rider, but I was able to uh, teach other people how to do it without, without the extreme of com- competition. And um, then I was introduced to a product called UltraCell, which is a full-spectrum hemp CBD oil by a company named Zelise. And I absolutely love it because of the health benefits um, and how it's helped me so many people with um, relieving aches and pains and helping them sleep better, more focus, more energy, which that has totally helped me. I didn't even, I was taking it just for like a health benefit. You know, I'm like, okay, if it's healthy, I'll take it, you know. And when I retired racing, because racing is very go, 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 and it's very high paced, um, very fast. Like when I retired racing, my mind was still going like I was on a racehorse, but I was like in this slow life, you know, and I couldn't keep my focus for longer than like five minutes on anything I was doing. And that was very frustrating for me for about two years. And when I was introduced to this product, um, like I said, I thought I was just taking it for a health benefit. And in two months, I noticed like I started calming down more and I had this controlled focused energy. And I was getting things accomplished that I had planned instead of like jumping from one thing to the next every couple minutes, you know. So it's just been a really great product for myself. And I just started introducing it to other people and having them try it. And the testimonies just speak for themselves. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, it might not have been Rosemary we lost. It might might have been me that we lost. So uh, at the end of the show, I will give you that information out where you can listen to her uh, call on uh, the hemp and uh, to also get you out to her website. Not sure what happened right there. But anyhow, right now, I'm pretty sure I'm in contact with my friend from Vegas, Rich Eng. Rich, are you with us? I am with you, John, and uh, I just wanted to add that if I was listening to the last part with Rosemary Holmeister, and I've seen pictures of her with in her competitions, and she's she's not. Uh, I mean, her her body is so different than when she was a jockey. It's phenomenal just seeing how she's developed and uh, uh, doing the, the competitions that she's in. So uh, I'll just I was just adding my two cents in. She's she's done a phenomenal job. Well, between you, me, and our audience, I did ask her off the air, hey, send me one of those bikini shots. I want to see it, you know. Uh, <laughs> on Facebook, John. <laughs> well, well you, you know, while, uh, while, and I know you've seen it, that jockeys that retire, they go kind of one of two ways. Number one, they start living a normal life and looking like they should, and but they stay fit. Other other ones that started early, of course, back in our day, they started when they're 16 and they still do in some states. All of a sudden, you know, these guys are valets or trainers and they're five foot 11, you know, tacking about 175. And I'll point to some guy said, you know, he used to be a jockey. And they'll say, there's no way that guy was a jockey. You know, I do believe at one time Steve Asmussen was. I mean, yeah, how big I, is he? I'll give, you, I'll give you a personal example. When I first started working in New York, uh, Wesley Ward had just come in from out of town to do his uh, apprentice riding at uh, Naira, and uh, he was a skinny little kid and he won the Eclipse Award, well deserved. But you look at Wesley Ward now, and you have a hard time figuring that he was, you know, really a, a small kid uh, riding horses. He's a, he's a lot bigger man now, but very successful he, training career. But he looks a lot different. He is, but he's not big in a fat way. He's still very fit. He's one of those guys that I described that finally let their, you know, stopped hitting the hot box and, you know, dieting and the other things they used to do in the old days that now look like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, uh, but there's some, and I won't name them, that are well over 200 pounds. <laughs> How the heck did this guy ever get on the back of a horse? There's animal cruelty laws out there. But anyhow, Rich Eng, thanks so much for joining us once again. You're one of my favorite regulars uh, on the show. Of course, uh, yeah, you're legendary for your book, Handicapping for Dummies. Uh, you've uh, served in uh, all kinds of aspects of the, the racing game from uh, promotions, marketing, uh, PR, uh, writing, uh, you know, columnist, author. Uh, you've done it all, and uh, but you, you moved to Vegas, and let me tell you, you're lucky you're out there. Yesterday up here in your old stomping grounds, it was a wind chill of minus 31. 
Holy smokes, that's uh, pretty close to the uh, Freezer Bowl football game that the Bengals played against the Chargers uh, many decades ago. But I, I've seen the weather on the national uh, news, and it's uh, it's scary. Stay indoors, folks. Keep warm. You have to stay indoors because if you live in an 80-year-old house like me, you got to keep those pipes going, you know, <laughs> getting the hair dryers out. you got all these portable heaters. you got to make sure everything's dripping. I can't wait to see my water bill next month. But anyhow, I digress. You're out in Vegas. And before we get to the racing, let's have a little fun here. Not that racing isn't fun, but you are going to be the epicenter of wagering on the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams. And I don't want to get directly to your pick, but can, do, can you recall or do you know, do they write stories about, do they tell you, do you see it uh, in, in any of the casinos, the different prop position bets that are available, everything from the coin flip to the color of the jackets that the commentators might be wearing? Oh, absolutely, John. It's, it's become legendary out here for the the uh, thickness of the, the, the prop. I'll call it a book. It's no longer a sheet. Uh, you go down to the Westgate Las Vegas where Jay Carnegie is, it, it's probably about 70, 80 pages worth, of, and it just takes you a long time to go through. Some other casinos might only have 20 or 30 pages, but uh, it's all over town, and uh, you know there are professional gamblers who can't wait for these prop bets to come out because they go to town on it. When you think about it, John, just think of the handicapping work that goes into producing such a, such a big amount of uh, data. They're looking for soft spots. They're looking for uh, mistakes in the, the line making or the, or the numbers, and uh, they jump all over it. So it's a really interesting period of time out here uh, looking at these prop, bet, prop bets. And, and I think the other thing, Rich, uh, it, it, most people know this, that oh. – during a quarter or during a halftime or whatever, all of a sudden there's a whole slew of new ones and lines change and different things happen for your betting opportunities. Yeah, there's no question that in-game wagering is one of the hottest things going on in sports. Uh, I've got uh, uh, phone apps on where I can you know, follow a game on television and during timeouts, you know, they'll be posting odds and, and you can get, you know, all kinds of uh, action during the game, and you can actually either, you know, strengthen the bet that you have, or maybe save, uh, go in the other direction. There's all kinds of things you can do, but in-game wagering is a fantastic thing. Uh, uh, I, I've had situations where, uh, you know, a team that might have been favored by 10 points in a basketball game, all of a sudden they're losing by 10 points in the first half. You could get, you could bet in-game on them as a big underdog all of a sudden, and if they just start playing the way they normally play. You know, they'll win the game handily, but you've, you've caught them uh, at a soft spot where uh, the, the line makers made them the underdog now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you know, uh, you can ask me or I'll ask you, uh, what is it now, about two and a half in favor of the Patriots, though that could change any minute? Yeah, well, it opened up uh, Rams minus one, maybe pick them in some places. But the steady stream of money over the last uh, eight or nine days has been mainly on the Patriots. So it's up to two and a half now, and there are some threes popping up, but only uh, momentarily. you got to be real sharp if you're a Rams better to grab a three when it becomes available. But I think there's a chance, maybe even as late as on Sunday before kickoff, we're going to see a lot more threes. So that's, uh, that's a possibility. 
Well, all right, Rich. Uh, you're the guest. I'll let you go uh, first. Here, I'm handing you a hundred bucks straight back I'm on the horse you want to take. I mean, the team you want to take with the points. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I tell you what. I'm going to uh, lay something out. I don't want to get too technical, but I actually have bet this, uh, John, so that uh, the worst thing that can happen to me is just to lose a little bit of money but I have a chance to make a lot of money. But I actually bet both sides of this game because the line is so close. What I did was I bet the New England Patriots on the money line at minus 140, meaning you have to bet $140 to win 100. And then I went the other way, and I happened to catch the Los Angeles Rams at plus three, minus 110. So I bet $110 to win 210. So basically what I've done is I'm, I'm basically betting about $30 worth to try to win $450 if both sides come in. My sweet spot, John, is if the Patriots win by one point, two points, and if they win by three points, I'll actually win one side on the Patriots and push on the other side. If either other team wins, uh, there'll be a tiny loss, but it gives me a comfort level that I can't do any worse than losing $30 on the game. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. See, you, you're light years beyond me. All I know is if, you know, I, I get, uh, you know, in touch with the right guy or whatever, I, I'm going to take the Patriots. I mean, I think that the Rams got that bad mojo going with that unbelievably no call. And I think that's going to bring them some bad karma. And I think the Patriots, after being underdogs in a couple races, are, are going to march out there and prove that they are still the lead dog. And I don't care how old Brady is. Uh, you know, I don't care if you like him or not, but Belichick is just genius when he gets to this level of a game. And I, I think they might beat him by double digits. Well, if that happens, I'll, I'll win one bet and lose the other. But I did bet the Patriots on the money line against Kansas City, so I'm okay for the uh, for the postseason so far. Well, good for you. Good for you. I look forward to seeing the result. We'll be glued to the TV on, uh, on Sunday for sure. Well... Um, we're on the road to the Kentucky Derby, and uh, we got a lot of good races this weekend. But uh, y- you came up with the three that uh, could have some impact uh, down the road on the Kentucky Derby. All three of them do have points in the Kentucky Derby prep season, where there's 19 races. Uh, let's start out in your neck of the woods at Santa Anita mm-hmm. with the Robert B. Lewis. Grade three, this is the uh, mid-range race of the three we're going to play. A mile and a 16th. Richard Ng, how do you see the race? Well, I I think it's going to be real hard to come up with a price in the uh, Lewis. I think there's three haves and three have-nots. The three haves are the uh, four gunmetal gray, the five mucho gusto, and the six nolo contesto. Uh, Out of those three, uh, I really like uh, mucho gusto the best. Uh, this horse is the, the one of the Baffert horses uh, lost last time to Improbable, who is another Baffert and maybe even more talented than this colt is. But um, I really think this horse is uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, one thing that, uh, that that caught me eye about this horse early on, John, I learned this from Matt Carruthers when we worked together at Monmouth Park. But if you look at the pedigree of Mitch Augusto, uh, the sire Mucho Macho Man stands for $10,000. 
and this horse was purchased for $625,000. Uh, Matt told me, uh, taught me early on that that tells him that this horse must have looked unbelievable in the uh, sales ring, you know, physically and maybe even mentally too. And so uh, I love horses like that when they, uh, when they're, uh, you know, paid the big money and the, the, the pedigree, you know, is not from, uh, like a tapid type of stallion for two, three hundred thousand dollars. So that's my top choice, mucho gusto. As far as my second choice, uh, I'll go for uh, a Nolo Contesto, who is the uh, the number um, uh, six horse coming out of the uh, John Sadler barn. Uh, this horse lost to Kingley, who actually ran today and ran second in the condition race. That's another Baffert. And then my third choice in the race is uh, Gunmetal Gray. All right, Rich. Well, uh, just to chime in with my two cents, um, uh, your third's going to be my one, uh, Gunmetal Gray, who's uh, currently the tepid second favorite in here. And you talk about looking at horses and watching horses. Uh, I got to watch Gunmetal Gray train up to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, where he ran mm-hmm. a distant fifth uh, to game winner. But when I went back, and as you know, I take photos, and I started looking at my photos of all the horses uh, prepping for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, I said to myself, wow. I said, if this horse grows into his frame, I said, he's going to be a hell of a horse. Uh, you know, not that I'm the Aiden O'Brien of being able to judge horse flesh, but um, I'm just telling you, he looks so good as a two-year-old, and I just felt that if he grew into himself, he's going to turn into a nice horse. We'll put a line through the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He runs second to the Eclipse Award winner, game winner, and the American Pharaoh, a grade one, and in his debut this year was awfully impressive with a rider change to a guy by the name of Money Mike Smith, and uh, came from last to first uh, with a huge rally. I know it's a grade three, the sham, but I'm just talking about Gunmetal Gray. I told friends of mine, man, I saw one good-looking horse this week, and it was Gunmetal Gray. I saw more than one, but he was one to watch. So that's my two cents in there. All right, let's go to the opposite side of the country, to the longest race we're going to see three-year-olds running on Saturday, the grade three Withers. Uh, the odds maker had a hard time, once again, not the deepest field as far as numbers are concerned, but had a hard time separating a bunch of them. So I want to know who Rich Ng likes. <laughs> you know what, John? I, I have to beg off. I, I, actually, I, I have the two races at Gulfstream in front of me, and I did not look at the winners. So I apologize to you and the listeners. Ah, uh, that's okay. It it happens. Well, I'll, I'll just hit the highlights right here. The... Uh, Tepid favorite at two to one is Tax, who's going to break from the inside. Last year ran third in the Remsen, behind Maximum Mischief, a horse I believe we're going to see this weekend. At three to one, right behind him is Moretti, a Todd Pletcher trained horse who just broke its maiden, but was swerving in the stretch. He's throwing blinkers on, and uh, he's a son of a uh, Magdalia Dioro. You talk about. Almost million dollar babies cost nine hundred thousand, and then uh, third in there is a lucky Lee, a son of Flatter, who's coming out of two straight wins, but they were last year shipping in John Service from Parks. So that's a look at the top contenders in the Withers Stakes, but at Gulfstream, uh, the the race for the boys is going to be a race a lot of good horses have won. It's a, it's shorter, but it's aggressive step to the longer 
races uh, that we're going to see uh, on the Derby Trail, and that's the Grade Three Swale. What rose to the top, or what showed interest in Rich Eng's mind? Well, you know, the horse to beat the morning line favorite is the five call Paul, but I really think there's some horses in here worth looking at at a, a much better price. Uh, one of them is the nine horse, <clears throat> excuse me, Zenden, who has gone two for two for uh, for uh, the barn at uh, both at Gulfstream Park. Now kind of stretching out a little by little, but uh, this horse hasn't done anything wrong yet. Uh, Zenden is a juicy eight to one in the morning line. Another horse I'm kind of looking at is the eight seismic jolt, who also has won his last two starts for uh, David Falk, good rider, and Tyler Gaffleone. So uh, this horse is starting to stretch out. And maybe a third uh, price horse to look at is the number one, Frosted Grace, draws the rail, and uh, seven furlongs gets Paco Lopez for uh, Kathy Ritvo. But uh, this is a race that I would be looking for a little more value to. I think this is a, a pretty wide open event. Yeah, I mean, seriously, when you, you know, the, the favorite call, Paul's going to pay $8 at his current odds, uh, certainly says so, so. So, call Paul is at three to one. Now, he's a Pennsylvania bred, and uh, he, you know, won the uh, nursery stakes in PA, but. Let's rewind a little bit. A very important race for two-year-olds. This horse won the Saratoga Special, uh, was third in the Champagne, and third in the Nashua. So um, Jason Service hasn't ducked much competition uh, with Call Paul. But again, he's at 3-1. to one. It's very slight favorite over 4-1, to one, high crime, uh, who comes into the race, I believe, with the best buyer. But he just broke his maiden uh, for uh, Darren Miller. Uh, Louis Saiz, uh, as will be up. The good thing is he broke his maiden with that top speed figure at six furlongs at Gulfstream Park, and he'll be going seven furlongs on Saturday. So that's a look at our other ones. Well, uh, now that you say the two Gulfstream races, the one I don't have, I'm guessing, is for the three-year-old Phillies forward gal. Um, well, actually, I've got the Holy Bull. Do you have the Holy Bull on your uh, on your? Uh uh, list of races because uh, I that's missed race it, 11. Rich. Oh, okay. Um, I tell you what, if you don't mind, I, I'd be happy to talk about the Holy Bull with your listeners. But uh, um, you know, one thing that uh, is a carryover from race ten at Gulfstream to race eleven on Saturday is uh, the number one horse, Frosted Grace, lost to a horse called Federal Case, who is one of the major contenders in the Holy Bull. The Holy Bull being a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, it's sponsored by Pasig Tipton and uh, a purse of $350,000. But uh, <clears throat> the uh, favorite in the race, a big favorite, you, as a horse you mentioned, and in the New York race, the number eight, Maximus Mischief, who's even money in the morning line at Gulfstream Park. And uh, he hasn't uh, done anything wrong, three for three straight wins, including the Remsen, the race you were talking about, John. And, you know, one of the things that uh, is... A change for Maximus Mischief is uh, Frankie Pennington had ridden the horse in all three victories, two of them at Parks, one of them at Aqueduct, but trainer Robert Reed is now going to Jose Ortiz, and I, I can't blame him for going to a, a champion rider than Jose Ortiz, but it kind of makes me sad a little bit because uh, I think uh, racing fans remember a horse that came out of Parks a couple decades ago called Smarty Jones, and um, the trainer John Service stayed pretty loyal to Stuart Elliott and kept him on through the Triple Crown and 
you know, they had a lot of success together. So sometimes uh, I kind of like seeing the the smaller jockeys stay on, uh, the lesser named jockeys stay on, so to speak. But Jose Ortiz gets them out uh, in the uh, holy ball. But uh, a couple of horses that I think are worth taking a look at is uh, the number six, Mijos. It was five to two in the morning on John Velasquez riding for Jimmy Jerkins. This horse won the Mucho Macho Man last time out, beat a horse called Garter and Ty, that is another horse that I'm looking at, John. He's the uh, horse on the rail for uh, Ralph Nick's trainer. 12 to 1 in the morning line. I tell you what, uh, if, if I can get 12 to 1 in the morning line on Saturday on the one Gardner and Ty, he will be on all my tickets. Tyler Gaffney owned rides. You know, one thing about Goldstein Park in a mile in the 16th, it's a two turn mile in the 16th, and it's a very short run to the first turn. If you can get an inside post, uh, that's to your advantage versus breaking from one to the outside post, like the eight Maximus Mischief is. So, you know, maybe the one Garter and Ty can save some ground, get a shorter trip from the wood with a Tyler Gaffleyon. So uh, um, I, I think that's an interesting long shot at 12 to 1, the one Garter and Ty, but the horse they obviously have to beat is the number eight Maximus Mischief. Well, Rich Ang, it's always great talking to you, and I, I, I appreciate your input. Uh, also, uh, how can any of our listeners, is there a way that we can uh, reach out to you and uh, see some of your other opinions on uh, on racing? I don't know if you're doing radio shows. Every time I find out something about you, you're doing something different. <laughs> well, I do do a couple of radio shows on a regular basis. One is I'm a uh, regular correspondent on Race Day Las Vegas with uh, Ralph Sirocco. <clears throat> that's uh, uh, on a station uh, out of Las Vegas that you can hear on the internet. So I'm also a, uh, a regular correspondent on At the Races and Beyond with Steve Bick. Uh, usually I'm either on Thursday or Friday. And uh, as far as my writing, uh, after 20 years of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, I'm no longer there. But I do write now for uh, America's Best Racing website, uh, sponsored by the Jockey Club. Uh, in fact, I just uh, sent in a email the column in today that should be appearing tomorrow morning on the website and uh, probably uh, show up in uh, social media on Twitter and uh, Facebook. But uh, I do write uh, two columns a month for America's Best Racing, John. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Rich. I love having you on. Best of luck. Say hi to Sandy for me. Oh, I will do. And uh, stay warm, folks. I, I am so uh, uh, afraid of uh, that cold and the uh, you know, I see people uh, who don't take the right precautions, uh, you know, getting in trouble. But uh, stay inside and also uh, you have your uh, pipes drip a little bit. You don't want them to freeze up and, uh, <laughs> and uh, explode on you. <laughs> That's a real mess. <laughs> Wait till you see my water bill next month. Rich Ang, thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Also, great talking to Rosemary Homeister. Remember, she's going up on the, uh, right now. Uh, it's 605 468 8769 and your access number is 950976. I'm John Engelhart. You've been listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.